have the passion. You have the education. Now it's time for the inspiration. Get ready to step up to the podium with purpose. This is the Find Your Forte podcast with Coral Director and Lifestyle Entrepreneur, Ryan Guth. Hey, Choir Nation, this is Ryan Guth with the Find Your Forte podcast. I am sitting here with Brandon Waddles, who currently serves as the director of Jubilee Singers at the prestigious Westminster Choir College, as composer-in-residence at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Princeton, New Jersey, as well as the music minister at First Baptist Church of Lincoln Gardens in Somerset, New Jersey. He is a conductor, collaborative pianist, and voice coach, as well as a published composer and arranger. His choral compositions and arrangements have been published with both the Evoking Sound and Westminster Choir series through GIA Publications. They have also been performed by choral ensembles around the world. In addition to Brandon's choral compositions and arrangements, he has worked as a transcriber of classic gospel songs written by some of Detroit's legendary gospel writers, such as Charles Nix and Thomas Whitfield. Brandon has served on various music ministries throughout the country, including Hartford Memorial Baptist Church of Detroit, the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church of Atlanta, and the Abyssinian Baptist Church of Harlem, to name a few. He has also, on several occasions, been called as a lecturer on the subjects of the evolution of Black gospel music and the Negro spiritual. Choir Nation, I've given you a little bit of an introduction here about Brandon, but if you want to read his full bio, head on over to www.ryanguth.com forward slash 005. All right, Brandon, Choir Nation is ready. They're at the edge of their chairs, folders open, and looking your way. Are you ready to deliver the downbeat? That would be an exuberant yes. <laughs> All right, Brandon. So the downbeat segment is a little bit of a biographical part of our interview. So I would like you to start with telling us about the moment that you knew you were going to dedicate your life to music. Well, I would have to say that that moment would have been inspired by just a lifetime of, of childhood experiences. My family is uh, has been very musical in nature. Um, I always say that my father does everything that I do except 10 times better. And so, uh, of course, his mother, as she did with him, uh, took me to so many different things around the Detroit area, which is where I was reared. And uh, we would go to things such as the Nutcracker and Swan Lake, as far as ballets were concerned. And then, of course, I would travel around with him to different uh, concerts, gospel choir concerts, and to hear him play um, if I had to bring everything down to a single moment where I really knew that music in general was what I wanted to do, um, it would have to be uh, really an elementary school. Um, we took a field trip to uh, the Michigan Opera Theater, the Detroit Opera House, to see a production of uh, Puccini's Madame Butterfly, um, which has remained is top, probably one of my top five operas. Um, that would have to be the experience where I knew this was really something that I wanted to um, invest myself in. All right, now you mentioned your father. Give me some background information about him. My father is a marvelous baritone, although people don't hear him sing very much. He studied at the University of Michigan as well as the Interlock and Arts Academy in Michigan. Um, but most foremost... I would say that he is uh, 
I would say, and I'm probably biased in saying this, the the greatest classically trained pianist that I've ever heard um, with such a virile passion um, as I've never heard in any other pianist, but he also works in church music ministry. Um, he is actually in New York right now preparing a production of The Wiz as musical director. Hmm. Um, he has been an amazing inspiration to me. And I cannot imagine myself doing half or even a fourth of what I do today um, without having sat under his, uh, uh, just not not even necessarily the tutelage, but to just see him in action. So uh, just an amazing man and musician is he. Well, so many, so many conductors that I speak to on a regular basis have been influenced by their families. And I am somebody who who, who is the uh, uh, the son of two musicians oh, both yes. Westminster Choir College graduates that's correct themselves so um, I know what it's like to be inspired by your family so I'm really glad we got to delve into that so let's go now to a story of when things didn't go as planned something <laughs> that if you look back you might consider to be a failure moment and <laughs> so bring us there and, and tell us that story I will start with a very familiar quote that uh that most of us Christians use, and we always say, <laughs> you know, if you really want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Um, <laughs> and so it happened that I was uh, on my way out of Morehouse College. That's where I uh, completed my, my uh, <clears throat> bachelor's degree. And this was in uh, coming around the summer of 2010. And around that time, I had fancied myself quite the voice coach and collaborative pianist. And I just knew that I was going to be, you know, the next Dalton Baldwin <laughs> or, or, you know, some of those uh, very famed um, collaborative pianists who, who I'd been hearing or Gerald Moore. Um, so I decided that I was going to prepare to work with... Um, uh, a very famous uh, present coach whose name I will not divulge at this time <laughs> um, at a very uh, upstanding school whose name I will not divulge at this time either. And it was a complete mess. Um, to be honest, I had not prepared adequately enough. And uh, he certainly informed me of such. And I, of course, around that time had uh, auditioned or sent actually sent in my application to come in for the audition, and that uh, request was denied. Um, oh, no. I sent uh, this person an email, and he, of course, informed me why, because he said he did not want me to have to forego the embarrassment of coming up there and still not getting into the school, and explained to me exactly why. Um, I will have to say that that was the the moment where things did not go wrong. But I can I can tell you this: I am more than happy that they did not go right there because they went so so right elsewhere. Great, awesome. So wait, let's go back a little bit. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into the nitty gritty. Great. Like, what happened? I was. Uh, I've always been very fortunate to have a lot of people that that have always supported me professionally. And uh, I am a member of the National Association of Negro Musicians. And one of my uh, mentors or advisors at that time, actually a voice teacher who I was studying with, um, got me this link up with this very famed um, collaborative pianist. 
And, uh, you know, he asked me to um, bring in a couple things that I had been preparing for not only that audition, but auditions at several other institutions. Um, and so I, you know, prepared as I prepared back then, which was not well. <laughs> I've always had the great curse of being a pretty good sight reader, um, which, you know, many of us professional musicians know is, you know, can be a death toll in some situations and a, a great money grabber in others. But since this was a lesson that I was paying for, um, this happened to be my death toll. And I just came in, you know, pretty much thinking that everything was going to go exceedingly well. And he, you know, not to mince words, tore me a new one. Oh. And so it was um, all in all still a very informative session. And I have actually gained so much when I still do um, do collaborative work with, with different uh, vocalists. I've gained so much from that 45 minutes, um, that things that I still t carry with me now. Um, so, you know, it wasn't a complete loss, but it was certainly, certainly a downturn at that time. I ended up taking a year off uh, from school. I had planned to go immediately into grad school. I said, no, I said, I'm not doing anything. I, you know, one of those, I'm giving up on music, you know, uh, type of situations that I'm sure most of us all get into, um, more than once in our careers. Mm -hmm. So well, I, I think it, it goes to show there's a lot of people, um, that have tons of talent. And when you have tons of talent, that can really be a curse because at some point your talent's going to run out and you're going to have to prepare and you're going to have to work real hard in order to get really where you where you need to go and, and, where, and where you should go. And it sounds like, you know, you grew up in the right circumstances with the right father and the right influences there and, and lots of talent. And you thought maybe you could bring that talent, ride that talent all the way into this audition, when in actuality you needed to ride that talent and do some extra work in order to really impress this this person. Sounds Indeed, like. Indeed, because that that ride fell short. I ran out of gas and didn't even make it to the audition. So we we know that talent really only brings us so far. There's only only so much gas that talent can bring. Because talent, after a while, is just you know faulty gas. Right. <laughs> so. We'll so what what that. did you what did you take away specifically from from that that maybe you implement now in your preparation? Well, you stole the word right out of my mouth. Preparation mm -hmm. is key. Um, I had a very I had two amazing teachers back in high school. Um, one being my my choir director, and um, I count her as one of the reasons I do what I do today. Um, and the other what was, her name, her name her, was Nina out. Scott, Nina Elizabeth Ray Scott. I have to call her name out in full every time. And I actually just recently had her come to Westminster to do an entire week long session or symposium on urban music education. Oh, beautiful. And she is a master of that art form. And it is an art form. Absolutely. Um, the, uh, so certainly she was influential in, in my work. Um, but also Willie J. McAllister, uh, who was the uh, orchestra and band director at Renaissance High School in Detroit, Michigan, where I where I studied. Um, and of course, we we always hear, you know, that phrase that practice makes perfect. Well, he added on a word to that. He said perfect practice makes perfect mm -hmm. because your practice regimen has to be in such a way that you build up um, muscle memory 
so that you don't only just practice to get it right, you practice until the point where you can't get it wrong. That's great advice. That's great yeah. advice. And I, I've definitely heard that one before because, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's the definition that's of insanity. That's the definition of insanity. Right. Indeed. So, But if you do the right thing over and over again, that's probably practice. So, <laughs> very good. Well, there's a, there's a right. very thin line in that because most of us musicians are insane already. So <laughs> <laughs> there's, a great, there's a great story about... Um, I think it was my, maybe my freshman year sitting in music education lab with uh, Dr. Frank Abrahams. Oh, yeah. And we were, he was running down all of the requirements that we needed to graduate with our music education degree with a New Jersey State certification. Mm-hmm. And he said that um, typically we have, to take, uh, we have to take a class on music and special education. Mm. And but he said that New Jersey waived that requirement because um, we're a bunch of musicians who dorm together. <laughs> so if we can handle that, then we can do anything that you we're that we need to do in the music anything you put world. your mind to. That is exactly <laughs> right. So, so yeah, that's that's I've kept that one with me for a while. Um, all right, so let's move on to um, your proudest musical moment to date. To date. I would have to say the very first time that I was able to walk into a public Jubilee concert as the conductor um, of that ensemble. And uh, I was just overwhelmed with the amount of support um, that I had received from uh, people who had... uh, been mentors and advisors who are still to this day mentors and advisors who have now become colleagues. Who's that? Uh, oh, uh, Dr. Joe Miller, uh, Dr. James Jordan, uh, Dr. Amanda Quist. Um, these were people with whom, you know, uh, under whom I'd studied during my uh, time at Westminster and to have received that kind of support coming into um, really a very frightening venture exciting but uh but certainly frightening um was 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 more than enough and then to of course uh to see family who had traveled from Detroit to be there with me and then the entire Westminster family um this community with whom I'd studied you know um some of them now being students of mine um others who were certainly still uh studying at the institution um to receive that Every time I go out there is uh, certainly a, a moment to make you proud, but it, it's it's uh, it is very inspiring. Absolutely, gives you a surge of energy. All right, well, so so back up. So you 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 studied for your graduate like the graduate program for voice performance, right? Right. I actually started. Um, in voice performance and pedagogy, which is why I stayed my, at my right at Westminster. Okay. My original emphasis was performance, and then I switched over to pedagogy, which is uh, science of teaching voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have made such a transition from uh, you know voice pedagogy over to you know conducting a choir is it's uh, certainly something. So how do you feel like that door opened for you? I must say that I have always been uh, very vocal um, about my my passion for 
um, the Negro spiritual, um, the spiritual, the uh, more so concert arrangements that's we, that we deal with now, um, and certainly also black gospel music. Um, I was very privileged during my time as a student at Westminster to uh, have been commissioned by both Dr. James Jordan and uh, Dr. Joe Miller um, to uh, arrange spirituals for uh, for both of their um, uh, publishing editions. Uh, Dr. Joe Miller is, of course, um, I would say overseer of uh, the Westminster Choir Series, and of course, James Jordan is over Evoking Sound. Um, and that connection that I, I formed with them in that in that vein, I'm sure was definitely crucial in helping to build that relationship and, and growing that um, that sense of faith in me to awesome. do this. Yeah. Well, that, that actually segues really nicely over into our second segment, which is the Your Forte segment. And we had been speaking a little bit in your pre-interview yes. about what that is. Um, and I think it really plays an important role with... Um, how diverse of a community Westminster is and how diverse a sample of students you have in Jubilee Singers. Uh, so would you expound upon really what you believe that your forte is and, and, and maybe your mission uh, in, in applying that forte to your work <laughs> at, at Westminster Choir yes, College? Yes, yes, yes. I, I certainly thank you for the pre-talk. Mm -hmm. um, before this interview, more formal interview, um, we talked about this a little bit before, um, I think that my forte or expertise really um, uh, is so directly related to my passion. Um, and certainly at, at this young age, relatively speaking, um, I, my passion has really uh, been for the Negro spiritual, for black gospel music, but even more, more than that, the African-American music experience as a whole. Um, and with that passion, I had to ensure, um, especially in such a diverse environment as Westminster, um, and, and we are certainly still even more so working towards making it as, as, as diverse an experience as possible. Um, my job, my duty, um, my passion is even more so relaying uh, the message of the African-American music experience to a wider audience um, and and just to give them that sense that this music is and can be accessible and performable by all. Um, it is certainly more than the music as in anything. I mean, even if we talk about the Brahms Requiem or if we talk about anything of Bach, there's so much more than the music. There's the experience that comes within it. Um, whether we want to talk about personal experiences um, uh, cultural um, uh, growth or um, social dealings, you know, so much going on in this world and the music that we sing um, just helps to speak to that. Um, I believe Leonard Bernstein spoke about uh, Westminster serving as such a necessary environment um, for the world today. Their music just brings clarity to everything. And, and certainly the African-American music experience, uh, I guess, in my in my work at Westminster up until now, uh, more so particularly dealing in the spiritual and uh, and black gospel music, to bring those forms to the school in a way that p 
people can really, you know, grab hold to relate to can relate to it. So what kind of technique do you feel like you need to employ in a rehearsal with a group of singers that are inexperienced with with gospel music? Because I know you're probably dealing you know, I mean, if, even if you go to like, I know you recently did a, it was like an all-state festival or county festival or something over in Pennsylvania. Indeed. Indeed. So I'm assuming that you were dealing with a group of students probably that were not incredibly exposed to right. to the African-American spiritual. So what kind of techniques do you need to employ with, with people like that so that um, they can begin to relate? Mm-hmm. I think that the first goal for me is to simply inform. Um, And I always like to begin the informational session with just asking them what it is that they know. Um, uh, The festival that I did uh, with one of the district choirs in Pennsylvania was to simply ask what they knew about gospel music, what they knew about the spiritual. Did they know that the two, um, while having some similar relations to each other, we're not the same, um, and uh, some people are, are more informed about it than others. So the job first is to inform. The, the next job is to find out a connection from the spiritual or gospel music to something that they know more about. So maybe I, you know, I had a student of mine, um, and I use Spotify religiously, and a student of mine um, was listening to Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Um, I, I love that I'm able to find that connection of Whitney Houston, you know, who was singing, you know, uh, uh, pop or R&B, but Whitney Houston was also a church girl. Oh, yeah. Whitney Houston was a church girl at heart. Sissy Houston and Dionne Warwick, they all, you know, grew up in the church. And I'm able to make that connection from something that they know into this to mm-hmm. use that same kind of passion and fervor. Um, I was teaching um, an hour-long workshop on the differences between the spirituals and gospel music and their influences on each other to a group from Scotland, uh, Paul Mueller and uh, the University of Aberdeen mm-hmm. came to visit last week. An amazing experience. Hey, you couldn't be further from gospel and music. And could not huh? be <laughs> any further. Um, but what do you know? He said to you, what did he say to you? They don't move. They don't move. <laughs> he talked to me about a half hour before and he said, Brandon, I just want them to move. I said, I'm going to get them out of their seats. That's great. That's, that's the first thing. You have to find something that they connect to. And so I talked about in, in manner of singing, you know, this is a, a more of a pedagogical technique. Um, healthy gospel vocalism um, really finds a connection more so to um, healthy musical theater technique. Sure. And if they're able to find, you know, their right place in that without having to have such a tall embouchure as we might expect mm-hmm. for Bach or Brahms, you know, they're able to get into that. And a certainly, you know, they're, they're from over the pond. So Andrew Lloyd Webber, and they know all about that. Sure. So if they're able to mix some of that, not necessarily, not necessarily phantom, but maybe cats or something, <laughs> <laughs> maybe cats, we can maybe use some cats. of that. We can, you know, use some of that vocal technique to find uh-huh. our way into there. And certainly there's such a voracious energy and cats that they can use and to find that energy and passion for gospel music or even the spiritual. Um, so how do they do? They sang beautifully. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, another part of it is, is, um, dispensing with their, um, 
passion for making sure that the text is so clear and precise. You know, just getting them to loosen up a little bit. Sure. Well, there's just, a lot of correlation there between between you know classical singing and musical theater and and with text. I mean, I mean, obviously spirituals are all about the text. So yeah, if they can if they can get through uh, and mm-hmm. uh, make it make it clean, you're mm-hmm. probably actually. They probably actually fixed a lot of issues for you before before you even got, Almost got certainly. there. Well, they're they're already amazing musicians, right? So you know, sight reading a piece. Most of the battle. Oh yeah, that's most of the battle, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm so incredibly spoiled, you know, with all of the um, ensembles I work with at Westminster, and especially with Aberdeen that came in last week. You know, the 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 notes are not the issue. It's really getting into the experience of the music. Sure. And um, were they reserved? Like, did you, did you, did you, you know, they started out a little reserved, there? especially okay. because, you know, I wanted to make sure if they had any questions that they asked them of me. And, you know, of course, nobody wants to ask questions. At so the you beginning. started the same way. What do you know about gospel music? Mm-hmm. What do you know about, about yeah. spirituals? No, certainly. Okay. And when I started out, uh, actually, my Jubilee singers were the first, of course, to start answering questions, which, of course, I was a proud papa. Well, that helps. That helps papa. to lubricate the machine Indeed, a little bit. Indeed. It helped to move things along Good. so they were able to get things going. Um, but towards the end of the session, of course, I, I made sure that some of Aberdeen's students asked some questions. And then, of course, they wanted to learn a gospel song. Awesome. They wanted to learn how I teach gospel. Um, and, of course, in, in most uh, black churches where most black gospel is performed, it is taught by rote, you know, meaning I get right to the piano and I teach from there, no mm-hmm. no scores or anything of that nature. Um, and so, you know, we learned it and we sang it and then we got up and sang it. And so I what told did them you, they had to move. Okay, mm-hmm. so what did you do? What piece? I taught them a song by a, a musician called Melvin Crispell, um, something that I'd done with the Jubilee Singers um, at my last concert. And it is a song. Oh my gosh! And I can't even remember the name of the song. So many people doubt him, but I can't live without him. That is why I love him so. He's so real to me. The song is called "Real." I okay, know if real. I went through the lyrics, I'd find it. We'll put it in so, the show yeah. notes. Ah, yes, we'll certainly put it in the show notes. Uh huh. Good, good. But it was an amazing experience for them. Absolutely amazing. And I was, and they were so enriched by it. And I've, and I'm still hearing great feedback about what they learned. And we'll be so, looking yeah. forward to Paul Miller's University of Aberdeen Concert Choir Gospel CD for 2016. Let me tell you, <laughs> it is coming. It is coming. I actually was commissioned by he and Dr. James Jordan um, to write a spiritual arrangement. Um, now, this one is actually, I, I, I messed with them a little bit. I, I did a, an arrangement of a, a concert aria um, uh, arranged, uh, composed by Hall Johnson called Fire. Fire, Lord, fire going burning my soul. Um, so one of those fire and brimstone pieces that it certainly has a little bit more of the traditional spiritual element to it. Um, but they will be uh, performing that at one of their next concerts. Oh, fantastic. So be on the lookout. We'll be on the lookout. Hopefully Please we can do. get that one picked up by your publisher too. It, it has, it's already on its way. It Very is, good. It is on its way. So Very we're glad good. to hear that. All right, I hate to back you up again. That is fine. Okay, but um, we've we've gone through, you know, um, surveying the group, right? Asking what they know, and then making the connection between what they know and what you have to inform, right? And then then comes the teaching 
part of you know teaching the notes and you you mentioned that teaching the notes uh starts by rote is that typically just teaching the melody first you know what that deals more so with the gospel that i teach so with the jubilee singers um the way that i i form my concerts the way that i've been forming my concerts is that during the first half we will do um more so uh, uh, Western European classical format. So um, concert spiritual arrangements, also um, uh, more so uh, black sacred music types. Um, and all of that music is part of the first half is all taught with score. Okay. Um, so they're still reading in that sense. And, you know, I, I, I work my rehearsals just the way that I've seen other rehearsals work, the rehearsals that I've been in, been in you know, when I was in the Westminster Choir, the rehearsal format that Joe Miller used, and and of course during my time in the Morehouse College Glee Club with Dr. David Edward Morrow, so that rehearsal works the same way. Um, my so second half con- of the more concert, concert spiritual mm-hmm. arrangements, concert spiritual arrangements score, and black music, and here's holding your notes, the score. Let's sing. Here's your notes and okay. let's sing. Gotcha. Um, for the second half, uh, I do all gospel music. Okay. Um, and in that way, I teach by rote, and I typically teach from the piano. Um, and so I will generally start with singing the soprano line and to their surprise, sometimes in their register. Oh, right. Um, yeah, they, they get they get so excited about that um, <laughs> for whatever reason. And so I will teach the soprano part and sing it for them once or twice and have them sing it back to me. And then I'll do the same with alto. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll put the soprano and alto together and then I'll have the tenor. Um, interestingly enough, um, you know, most of gospel is, uh, you know, composed in soprano, alto, tenor format. So there's not always a bass line um, and the bass. So I have to write it. Well, I have to come up with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I generally teach the bass line, you know, based on, you know, what the bass player is playing on the gospel recording. Um, so I'll generally work in that vein and, and have them come together and, and sing it back to me. Um, what I will generally do before my rehearsals with the Jubilee Choir is I will have lyric sheets ready for them. So no scores, but I'll just have a sheet with the lyrics on it mm-hmm. um, outlined by verse, chorus, um, maybe there will be a bridge, which is a transitional area, and then the vamp, which is generally the end of the piece. Okay, so that means so it's basically almost a pop format right yes or i should say mm-hmm. i should really maybe flip it around and well, say yeah. that our pop format, our pop format is a gospel is really format. uh based off the gospel format the gospel format is related to the spiritual format that came up i mean you know we we have to understand that that the spiritual really is our, our first true american music that we had um you know something that was really formed here you know, and so most of what we have as far as gospel, blues, jazz, R&B, soul, um, hip hop, uh, rap, all of that are, are elements that come out of the spiritual format. So we still teach it um, in, in that way, especially gospel. gospel right. and there's, there's probably really no coincidence as to why why at the end of concerts, you know, a traditional choir will throw in. A spiritual arrangement and everybody will go nuts Indeed. right because that's we're, we're listening to top 40 on the radio mm-hmm. on, you know, all the time and that format just really rings you know yeah. home with people it's so i mean there's really no coincidence there but i think it's important that all the you know the music educators in choir nation understand that that 
that's a fantastic way to bridge, um, you know, classic more the classical tradition and 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 pop tradition is to bridge with with a spiritual piece with mm-hmm. gospel. So because that's a format that kids are pretty darn familiar with, and um, also an incredibly uh, you know respectable genre of of music to sing. All of them very of rewarding them. as well. Mm-hmm. Very rewarding. I think that there is something inherent about the spiritual and uh, gospel music that brings everybody back home in a sense Mm -hmm. Um, whatever that home may be for them there is something about the folk type quality of it because the spirituals are of course you know folk music just Mm -hmm. as you know some of the Brahms melodies that you know some of the Brahms uh, leader that he wrote were of course you know based off of old 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 folk melodies there's something very home centered about it that that really just sits there there's a familiarity um that that is felt with with this type of music and it just really just brings out something different out of everyone well i would i would challenge choir nation to go and check out brandon's work over at gia publishing and i'm going to throw up some uh some links on the show notes to some of brandon's pieces uh at gia and it'd be a really fantastic uh, addition to your to your your choral ensemble concert just to put a shameless plug in there for Brandon. <laughs> we but, appreciate uh, it. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that you shared with us your forte, and I'm I'm really pleased as to where that conversation uh, ended up. So, um, just because I want to make sure that we are staying within our time, um, let's move on to our last section, Certainly. which is the Accelerando. And just to inform Choir Nation, the Accelerando is a little faster moving section, as you can tell from the title. And um, really, the answers are meant to be somewhere in the realm of, you know, 30 seconds to a minute, so or even much less than that. So oh this is the rapid fire section. <laughs> All right. Hot so, seat. Brandon, what project are you most excited about right now? I am very excited about the Westminster Jubilee Singers in Concert on this coming Sunday, Sunday, April 19th at 730 it's taking place at uh, Princeton Middle Church and Event Center, and this will be a concert in celebration of our 20th anniversary. The Westminster Jubilee Singers have been um, uh, part of Westminster Choir College for 20 years now, and we have so many family members returning to us. Um, certainly, ex- excitingly, uh, Dr. Donald Dumpson. Uh, J. Donald Dumpson, who was the founding conductor of the Singers, will be back with us um, to help us celebrate uh, musically and so many more who have been a part of the journey. Uh, That is my um, most exciting project coming up right now. Awesome. Very good. Uh, What advice do you have for your younger self? (laughs) Well, I would have to tell my younger self to enjoy the process, to enjoy the process for whatever comes, the good and the bad. Um, it all works together for the good. Enjoy the process. All right. In your opinion, what do you believe makes an outstanding conductor? Connection. I believe connecting with your singers makes an outstanding conductor. You can do absolutely amazing things with the least of resources if you are able to truly get a connection with your with your singers 
that connection and that trust are crucial. Walk us through your morning routine. <laughs> <laughs> um, waking up in the morning, uh, sitting up and looking at emails and uh, crazy to say, looking at social media through <laughs> Instagram and Facebook to see what I missed the night before <laughs> and to get myself a good laugh to get me going during the day. All That's right. Start up. So you're clearing those notifications. I am. I'm clearing the notifications, all of the all of the notifications that come through, which by that time of night should not be many. Good. <laughs> <laughs> what is your most or what was your most favorite concert that you have attended? I would have to say um, I attended uh, it was more of a Broadway show with uh, Audrey McDonald. And she was playing the great Lady Day, Billie Holiday. Um, and I took my father with me to see that concert. Um, and it was just Audra and and a rhythm section, a pianist, a bass, and a drummer. And she put on one of the most amazing performances that I have ever seen. It was life-changing. It was life-changing. And, and I have learn so much about passion and giving the giving of oneself to art form through that through that what is your favorite personal growth or music book my favorite book i'll just have to go with my favorite book um it's something that i always like to read especially to to little children but i think it speaks to to the uh child and all of us um, and it is Oh, the Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. I always say Dr. Seuss was a prophet. He, he, he was probably a pastor at some church that we don't know about. But he, he spoke so much truth in that book in the short amount of time that he had. But it, an amazing, amazing personal growth book. All right. Here's the big one. Oh, dear. <laughs> if, if you only had one concert left in your lifetime, a choir with limitless ability and access to a sold-out concert venue of your choosing. Where would your final concert be, and what would be the last piece on that program? The last piece. Give me the where first. Where first? Westminster Abbey. All right. And it will be a concert of all spirituals. All right. I don't know if that's ever happened at Westminster Abbey. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> I'm not sure if it ever will happen, but now that you've said it, I have to make it my business to make it happen. So let's let's pray on it. Um, but I would have to say if there was a final piece, um, it would have to be a choral setting of Take My Mother Home. And I remember it best as um, originally a solo setting um, by Hall Johnson, Take My Mother Home. But of course, um, I, I would actually have it with just male voices, as I remember the Morehouse College Glee Club singing it, um, of Take My Mother Home. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful, soul-stirring uh, spiritual arrangement. Take My Mother Home at Westminster Abbey. All right, now let's give the listeners some parting words of encouragement. And then I'd like to know uh, the best way to connect with you uh, if Choir Nation wants to reach out to you. Words of encouragement. Uh, just keep living and live fearlessly through everything that you do. Don't, 
Don't ever be afraid that what you do won't be enough. It will always be more than enough if you always give all of yourself to it. That's whatever it is. Um, and if you're looking for me, well, I'm right over at Westminster Choir College. Um, any of my music can be found through GIA, giamusic.com. And you can find me at my email address, which is B Christian Keys with a Z, so K E Y Z, the number 88 at gmail.com. B Christian Keys with a Z, 88 at gmail.com. Yeah, and I would highly encourage anybody in Choir Nation to reach out to Brandon, uh, especially if you're looking for a clinician, if you're looking for a guest conductor that has that kind of experience and his level of experience in, in uh, African-American spirituals, concert spirituals, gospel music, uh, for sure. So uh, do reach out to him if you have any questions uh, about what he does. I'll also put a link to his GIA page from GIA Publishing so you can take a look at his arrangements. Um, one I know particular that's gotten a lot of play is Ride in the Chariot, Um that's probably that's probably your most popular one at that this point, right? That is definitely the most popular one right now. Yeah. Not your favorite, but your most popular. You know, that's always an interesting question. Um, I, I'll be honest and say no, but I love that the people like it. It and it and you know, it's it's definitely um, been a great fire starter for me. Is there so one you want people to check out? Give me one that you want people to like. You know what? I wish oh this would gosh. sell out tomorrow. You know what? Check out the newest one. I, it actually just came in the mail yesterday. I have a, um, a double, a two-for-one, um, a setting of two light spirituals, um, and they are spiritual arrangements of um, Is a Light Shining in the Heavens and also uh, Hold Out Your Light. So check out the two newest ones. They're on GIA right now. Thank awesome. you. All right, well, I know Choir Nation is even more ready to step up to the podium with purpose, so I thank you so much for being my guest today on Find Your Forte. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Find Your Forte with Ryan Guth. As always, join Ryan online at www.ryanguth.com for detailed show notes and discussions on every episode. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. Until next time, be amazing. I'm going to do the hey man. Okay. Hey man. Hey man. What's going on with you? Wasn't that fun? <laughs>